0: Welcome to Lake Mount Worship Center, connecting you to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We hope that you are blessed and inspired by today's message. Psalm 34, we'll start at verse 1 as we continue in our series on worship is, David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Our text today, verse 9 and 10. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer and want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. When mountain climbers set out to ascend a challenging high mountain, they start out with large packs loaded down with everything that they need for this long journey up a mountain like Everest or K2, and they carry around enough supplies for the whole trip at the very beginning. And as they ascend that mountain, they get to certain summits, they get to certain levels, and they unpack and they, they have camp there for a few days, and the purpose of that camping at that new height is that they might allow their bodies to acclimate to the new level of oxygen the higher that they go. And then they break camp, and they don't take everything with them from that summit, but they take less and go further. And then they get to another height, and this Setting repeats, they, they summit and they acclimate to the new oxygen level. Break camp, take even less, and do it again. As many times as needed to get to a top height until at the very end, those who are physiologically able to make it to the very peak are carrying with them just a walking stick, maybe a bottle of water, and get to the very top plant the flag, turn around, and come back. As we approach the Lord, He demands more sacrifice from us. We cannot carry around the common into the habitation of His holiness. And worship brings us into the presence of a holy God. It brings us into the presence of God and, and even rightly, it brings the presence of God into our circumstance. And the circumstance that we find ourselves in bows to his glory. We find ourselves in this room this morning worshiping at a geographical address here in Grimsby, but we also find ourselves in the rapt attention of being held in the eternal space of the presence of the living God. In the Old Testament, the Bible tells us that Moses... The man of God used to set up a tent of meeting. Exodus 33 talks about how he would set up this space of communion with God. It was a tent of meeting with the Lord. And when he would go into that tent, the Bible says that the pillar of cloud of God's presence, cloud by day, fire by night, would come and settle on that tent. Imagine the courage it takes to walk into a tent that's got fire on it. And as he would walk into that tent to meet with God, the Israelites, the community of God's people would would see the pillar of cloud come down and look at the tent of meeting and as Moses made his way in they would stand at the entrance to their tents as they were a sojourning people they would lean upon the posts of their tents and they would worship as Moses went further into the presence of God and so he would actually spend time in the presence of God that was so manifest, the pillar of cloud and fire, but also the Bible says that he would speak to God face to face, the way that friends speak. And what would happen as a result is that Moses would come out from that place of encounter and his very face would radiate the presence of God. Now, I'm of the conviction that that's not hyperbole or folklore. I believe that to be the word of God and what truly happened. The radiant glory of God began to transform Moses even physically. And so as he would enter into to commune with God, others would see and they would begin to worship. His worship inspired others to worship. And his radiant face required that, that people, they would put a veil over his face. Imagine being so close with God that the radiance of God would so get into you that people are like, "Um, could you put something over your face while you're talking? Think about that. I I want to provoke a bit of holy jealousy in you this morning. But that's what occurred. And when Paul, the apostle, talks about that occurrence, he says, well, that was the Old Testament with an old covenant that was fading away but we're receiving something new and better. And Paul doesn't set it aside. He just says, that's our invitation. I want us to be provoked this morning to recognize that there is more, but like my word picture of the the mountain climber, perhaps the more that we're not yet experiencing is because we're too encumbered with what we're trying to carry with us into the presence of holiness. Religious people can watch other climbers descend from the mountain. They can watch Moses come with the veil over his face and they can mimic those behaviors and, and demand sacrifice, be, be holy, do these things, follow these rules. And this often hijacks the beauty of holiness. The Bible actually calls us to worship the Lord in the splendor or the beauty of holiness. Holiness, biblically, is beautiful to set aside things that were once fine, but because of our pursuit of God, we delight in laying those things down. That's holiness. When we see holiness as religious, when we see it as rule-based, we don't see it rightly. Because the Bible calls it the beauty and the splendor of holiness. We fail to see the beauty and the privilege of setting aside those things Again, we're once okay, but they encumber our ascent into higher heights of his presence. So let me say this to you this morning. Sacrifice is not religion. It can be. Religious people can demand sacrifice, but hear me, they don't own that territory. In fact, religious people can poison that territory by causing for the beauty of holiness to be something that is despised. And so when we hear about sacrifice, our defenses go up invisibly. But we prayed just a moment ago that the word of God would have free course in this room. And so our defenses need to come down That there's something that the Lord wants to invite us into that it's further than where we've been. How many know there's more than you've ever experienced in God before? There's more, There's, there's higher heights to His presence. The Bible tells us this. Moses would radiate and speak face to face with God. One of the great mysteries of Scripture is that he would speak face to face with God, and God said, No one can see my face and live. I guess we just adjust. And the reality is that the radiance of glory that was available in an old covenant, Paul says, that's available to us in this new covenant. And yet, I wonder if we're content at base camp one when God's calling us to the mountaintop. Either that, either that's true, or God has favorites. But we know God has no favorites. So the problem can't be him. There there must be a degree of comfort at my level of sacrifice and I'm done sacrificing where I'm at. And there's more that I demand to carry with me in my pursuit of God, but like a mountain climber, I can't carry three-tenths of Coleman's stove and 20 cans of baked beans to the, to the top. Praise God. <laughs> what I start out with, it's not wrong, but the further I go, it's unnecessary. Wow. And so the invitation of more needs to provoke something in our hearts that says, that's what I want. And perhaps even deeper in an hour such as this, that's what I need. I need more. I need the more that God has made available. And since he has no favorites and he's made the pathway clear, the pathway of holiness, has, it needs to be redeemed in our sight as something beautiful. That what he asked me to set aside isn't a love test just to prove I'm a good little Christian but he's actually asking me to set aside what was tolerable in a different season so that I could go higher than I've ever been before. The beautiful privilege we have to minister to the Lord is to offer Him the sacrifice of praise. Romans 12, 1 says that our reasonable act of worship isn't just singing clapping and clapping on all of those things that are so important that we've been digging into over these last number of weeks and that we're endeavoring to maintain as our constant practice, not just as we gather, but in our personal lives. Those activities of worship are essential to worship, but our most reasonable act of worship in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, is that we would be living sacrifices. Sacrifice isn't just something we do, it becomes who we are. And so when sacrifice and holiness is seen as rule-based religion, the devil's playing a trick on you to keep us from the beauty and the splendor of holiness which is truly what your heart and my heart craves is the more that God has made available. A lifestyle of worship is a lifestyle of sacrifice where we surrender to the Lord what once held our affection and what once held our attention and we direct that, what occupied that space, the affection and attention that I gave over here, I'm now taking it and I'm giving it to Him. I'm directing all of it toward Him. My time, My talent, my treasure. Last week we looked at how God redeems our desire to taste and experience. We looked at the invitation of worship that we can taste. The invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good. Adam and Eve, we looked at how they tasted what they were told not to taste. And then they unleashed the demise of humanity through that compromise. But listen to me, when we forgo the pleasures of the forbidden fruit, we express love to Him and He expresses pleasure in us. In other words, it's not just a story of what Adam and Eve did, but we still get the opportunity, you and I today, have the opportunity to obey the whispers of God, the clear commands of God, the nudges of His Spirit, not with the, the electric fence and being zapped, up oops, I did the wrong thing, but the prompting of the Lord, we yield in the beauty of holiness, and it pleases Him. It's really simple, like, think of it. What can you give to God? Really, think of it. Like when God rejected Saul as king, and I'm, you know, do a study if I'm racing too fast, but when God rejected Saul as king, the prophet Samuel came to him to rebuke him for his disobedience and offering to the Lord everything that God told him to offer. It's hard for us to part with our stuff. And so the prophet Samuel came to Saul and he said, does the Lord really delight in the fat of rams and burnt offerings? Now that's what we call a rhetorical question. It means that the answer is really clear. So let me ask the question, you give me the answer. Does the Lord des- delight in the fat of rams and burnt offerings? It's okay, you can say it louder. It's not a true question. No. No. <laughs> Like It's not like God's up in heaven going, somebody kills meat for me. <laughs> so then why does God ask for it? We have to think. Does the Lord delight in what he asked you for? It's really what Samuel was saying. Because Saul's defense is, oh, I was going to save all the really good stuff and offer it to the Lord. And God's like, You really think I'm hard up for for meat? Thanks, Saul. Thanks for saving me the Wagyu beef. So why does God ask for it? I would propose to you it's to get the ball rolling. It's to get us thinking what sacrifice needs to look like for me. A lifestyle of sacrifice isn't glamorous. It's a lifestyle of sacrifice. Oh, you're a living sacrifice. Amen. I just want to put my life on the altar until it hurts. I just want to be a living sacrifice. What a beautiful lyric. What a painful prayer. What a painful practice. Why does God ask for it? And so Samuel then says, he gives an answer. He says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and the fat of rams? Rhetorical answer, no. And then what's he say? To obey is better than sacrifice. Like the the, the sacrifice of my obedience. The problem with human nature is that we tend to embrace the bare minimum of any kind of sacrifice, don't we? Like the, the minimum that is asked. And then we level off there. As soon as love demands any kind of discomfort, we begin to question God. We begin to question the purpose of faithfulness, if we're honest. Why am I climbing this mountain anyway? Like, look at all the people who are going to the Barbie movie. They're all wearing pink and sweatbands. I'm over here in my North Face jacket. I got a backpack. I'm wearing boots. They're eating popcorn. Popcorn. Why am I climbing this mountain anyway? Hear me this morning. Like It's a picture to help us think. Why, why am I doing this when they're doing that? Here I am sacrificing for the Lord, and then there's, it feels like sacrifice. I thought I'd sacrifice the Lord, and it would feel amazing. I thought I'd give some stuff up, and I wouldn't even miss it. That wouldn't be, let me think of the word, Sacrifice. <laughs> oh, like sacrifice is, is sacrifice. Yes. And so we, we tend toward the, the bare minimum. It's, it, it, it's, it's like tithing. I'm not preaching on tithing, but it's, it's like God, you know, asks his faithful ones to devote 10% of our income and bring it into his storehouse. Why? to get the ball rolling. Like the, the fat of rams and burnt offerings. He wants us to depend on Him, not on ourselves. The bare minimum is the tithe. It's possible to give Him more. I've, I've never met a person who had a problem with tithing who wanted to give more. But when I have a problem with tithing, I have a problem with sacrifice. But if my whole life is supposed to be sacrifice then finances are just one part. And it's like, well, should we should we teach on tithing where it's like give to God and watch your finances explode? <laughs> well, bring your finances into God's economy for sure, and he will rebuke the devourer for sure, and he, he will bring abundance into the storehouse as we collect together for his glory, for his purpose, but, but hear me, it's still... Um, What's that word again? Sacrifice. It's like like you mean I could feel it? Yeah. Well, why would I do that? Ah, now we're getting somewhere. Why to obey is better than sacrifice? He's wanting all of me, and so we tend to level off at a bare minimum. But our text today says, fear the Lord, you his holy ones. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. We're called to be holy ones. Maybe you should write that down. Like that's addressed to you and me. Like you're a holy one. What? We're called to be holy ones. It's not an honorary title, by the way, either. It's not like you just pray a prayer and boom, you're a holy one. He sets us apart and then he calls us to set ourselves apart and to to take off more as we ascend the hill of the Lord. The traveler who hasn't even conceived of climbing a high mountain travels differently than the one who has set their sights on the upward way. The one who has set their sights on, I want to be close to the Lord. I, I want... I want the more that he has made available. Hear me. If that's your prayer, let me let you in on the other part of your prayer. Therefore, I need to give more. Therefore, I need to set aside more things that, that aren't even necessarily sin. Like Hebrews says, set aside the sin and the things that easily entangle. You know, what the things that easily entangle are just things. Coleman stove isn't a sin. But you can't take it to summit three. So he's calling me higher. I want more, but I don't want to let go of things. I want more. And I want, I want to see his glory like Moses did. I want to talk to him face to face. I, I want to know the Lord deeper. How many say I want to know the Lord more than I do right now? I want to know his presence more than I do right now. The other half of that raised hand is I want to know what I need to set aside to go higher up the hill of the Lord. That's just the reality. Even in 2023. like Even today. What must I set aside? To come after him and don't let the religious steal from you the beauty of holiness. The beauty of the privilege of what I get to set aside to climb Him uh, a mountain. So you can tell the difference between a person who's going to go climb a mountain and a person who's going to go see the Barbie movie. You can, just, you can tell the difference. You don't even have to be a detective. You can just see it. You can just figure it right out. Like if someone's going to go climb a, a mountain... Dressed like they're going to go see the Barbie movie. <laughs> they're not climbing a mountain. They're just, they're, they're climbing the escarpment. We call it a mountain, but that's because we've never been out west. Like, this is not a mountain. You can wear your pink spandex on this mountain. I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying you can <laughs> But to ascend the hill of the Lord. Psalm 24 says, who can do it? Him with clean hands and a pure heart. There, there, there's, there's introspection and cleansing, tying together the taste and see redemption of last week. And now as we work through the text, those who fear the Lord are called holy ones. And there's this paradox that, that as we sacrifice, we lack no good thing. That's the way God works. That's the, the kingdom of God. As we sacrifice, we lack no good thing. Do you ever have a Facebook memory pop up on you? Something just pops up from a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago, and you're like, oh, yeah, that sweater, <laughs> that haircut. <laughs> I, had a, I had a Facebook memory pop up the other day. It was just a, a thought that I had put out there. I wrote this, waiting on the Lord increases strength and brings renewal. Distraction is our enemy. I wrote that in 2013. I mean it more in 2023. (laughs) Distraction. I don't know about you, I can feel distraction just robbing me. It's it's useless things that take my focus, and I'm stuck at Camp 1, but I want to be on the mountaintop. I want to behold Him, and yet I'm scrolling, or there's some distraction of even urgency, and need, but he's calling me higher, and it's the true longing of my heart, and discipleship is connecting and doing the math and saying, you know, there's some things that I have to let go of to be able to climb there. It was fine. I didn't do wrong bringing the big pack up the hill. I needed it for the first summit or two, but now as I'm going higher, I can't carry that with me now as I'm acclimating to a different altitude, there's less that can come along. And those who fear the Lord, those who live in holiness, those who set those things aside, lack no good thing. You might lack some bad things, but you lack no good thing. The higher you go, the less you need. Psalm 63, David said this, he said, your loving kindness is better than life. <laughs> your loving kindness, like this, again, it's not hyperbole. Like David is thinking, what do I, you know, better than blank, you know, better than chocolate. Better than Brazilian steakhouse. Better than pie. No, no. Your loving kindness, when I really weigh it, your loving kindness is better than life itself. Now that's a different grid of evaluating priority. Being in the loving presence of God, experiencing, tasting and seeing the goodness of God is better than being alive. Your loving kindness is better than life, and my lips will praise you, and I will bless you while I live. In other words, your loving kindness is better than life, and so as long as I'm alive, I've got one job. I'm a worshiper. I will lift up my hands in your name. Psalm 63, 3-4. to Let me ask you. Have you found his love to be better than life? Better than the Barbie movie. (laughs) Better than Bubble Blast, Candy Crush. Better than, better than. Better than life. My priorities fall into a totally different sequence. When the beauty of holiness is revealed to my heart. It's my pleasure to set these things aside. Because I want more of the one. That the more I taste of him. The more I see of him. The more I want of him. And I want his glory in my life. I want his glory in this church. I want his glory more than life. Bold prayer. David sang it. Your loving kindness is better than life. And so my lips will praise you. And I will bless you and I'll lift up my hands in your name. While I live, I've got a job. It's to ascend the hill of the Lord. There's a change in appetite and priority when we've discovered that His love is better than life. Worship is refining. You can see the title behind me. I wanted to say sanctifying, but I didn't want you to be Google searching the whole time I was preaching. It's a Bible word, but it's worth learning. To be sanctified. To be cleansed from inferior things. Of course I'm challenging sin. But that's not what I'm doing. Of course that's in there. But to be sanctified. To be consecrated. To be set apart. Means to set myself apart from things. This is what I'm to do. The holy ones who fear the Lord, the ones who have set themselves aside from not just sin, of course from sin, but from stuff and distraction and the things that are pirating my attention when the deepest longing of my heart and yours as lovers of Jesus is I want more of his glory, but there's things that I'm camping with that I have to say goodbye to because there's some steps up the higher heights that it requires less comes along. And it's the beauty of holiness. Will I feel it? Yes. Will it cost me? Yes. Is it worth it? It's, his loving kindness is better than life. This is what Moses found. This is what Elijah found. This this is what David found. This is what every champion of the faith throughout Scripture and throughout history has found, that to serve and know the Lord by experience, by tasting and seeing that He's good, it's worth it, once I've tasted of that, to set aside my appetite for every other forbidden thing and just come climbing higher with less and less. Just me, the living sacrifice. Take me. I preach to myself today. Because there's a longing that God is wanting to provoke in such an hour. What would happen if a a church like this, what would happen if we determined today to ask the Lord a scary question? What do you require of me that I might come closer to you? What would happen if we learned it and then obeyed? What would happen if a company of people, if a local church just said, you know what? I've had enough of the distraction. What would happen if we said, you know, his loving kindness is better than life. Not only is that theologically true and good in deep and dark moments, but it's it's good when life is good. And it's good when I have the privilege of being distracted. But I'm setting that aside because what I want is more. What would happen if we asked the question, Lord, what do you require of me? Not to some letter or some list, but to the nudge of the heart to say, that can wait. I want to redeem time. What's that mean? I want to give time back to God that has been for me. I want Him to have more time, more place. A few weeks back, talking about where worship is, our attention and our affection being directed toward him. What happens when my attention and my affection are divided and I give attention and affection to lesser things? Does it mean that I worship them? Oh, that's heavy. It just means that my heart of worship is divided, that I, I'm trying to lug along base camp one. And the beauty of holiness isn't religion and rules. It's, ooh, I could let this go. But I could see His glory. I could behold Him. I could go further in Him than I've ever been. Come back to the rest of that psalm, Psalm 34. David, again, now this, this is in our worship is. He's singing this. This is a song they sang. He says, come, my children, and listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Oh, Oh, good, thank you. Yeah, I want to be one who fears the Lord. I want to be a holy one. Good. I assume that. Let me teach it to you. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil. Keep your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil. That's not enough do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them and he delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Wait, I thought He delivered me from my troubles. Doesn't mean you're gonna have a problem free life, but He's close to you when you're brokenhearted. And He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Why would that happen? It's worth it to get closer to Him. Though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. And though He's close to me in my brokenheartedness and my crushed spirit, I've tasted and seen that He's good even when life isn't. And I'm going higher, just breathing the air of the presence of God. A righteous man, verse 19, may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all His bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems His servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in Him. See, we taste it, see that He's good. And then He calls us to turn away from the forbidden fruit. And to reject the things that are distracting us and set aside those weights and come closer. And he says, I'm going to be close to you when you're broken hearted. I'm going to save you when your spirit is crushed. Evil will slay the wicked, but my eyes are on you. There's a distinction between those who fear the Lord. There's a distinction between those whom God calls near and those who are far from him. God sanctifies, consecrates, God refines his worshipers worship is refining that's what I'm saying it's refining the closer we get to him the more he demands and it's our privilege to sacrifice to him let me give you this frustration in our walk with him is often in an it's often an unspoken resistance to the next level of sacrifice Can I say that again? Frustration in our walk with Him is often an unspoken resistance to the next level of sacrifice. I'm testifying right now. Some of you could testify right alongside me. That when I'm feeling frustrated, when I'm feeling a distance, when I'm feeling there's a gap, when I'm feeling like there's more that I'm not experiencing, when I feel... For me, I I put it this way. David says, when my heart says, seek your face, then he goes, Lord, your face, I will seek. You know what frustration is for me? When my heart says, seek his face, and I'm like, I'm busy. My heart says, seek his face. It's like, yeah, but I got a list. I'll get to that. My heart says, seek his face. But I've got things to do and they're important and they're meaningful and it's spiritual and it's helpful and it's godly and it's good. And some of it's a waste of time and some of it's just trivial and some of it. But I'm carrying base camp one and the Lord's saying, come up to number two. Come on up to number three. Come on up to the mountaintop. And I'm like, I want to come, God. But I have all of these responsibilities and all of this stuff. And frustration is often an unspoken resistance to what he's calling me to set aside. Is that just me or is that you too? And so, those who fear the Lord, those holy ones, set aside, set apart, devoted, consecrated, refined people by the Spirit, refined by His fire in this year of a burning heart, the frustration needs to give way to what? Obedience is to obey is better than sacrifice I want to be a worshiper in spirit and in truth I want this to be a house of worshipers in spirit and in truth We want to be a people of worship a people of his presence He's calling us. I can feel it. I think you can too. He's calling us higher. Which means simultaneously, He's calling me to set aside that which was okay before, but it can't come with me now. Would you close your eyes? Here's the prayer. Here's here's the call. Lord, what do you want me to lay aside to make more room for you? That's a prayer every single one of us can pray. There's a different answer. As many different faces as there are in this room. That's the level of answers. That's the amount of answers in this room. God's dealing with us as a church family, but he's dealing with us uniquely. That, 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 what is it that, that I need to lay aside? Because when my heart says, seek your face, I want to be like David and say, Lord, that's, that's it. That's now my agenda. Lord, your face, I will seek." What was fine before, I can't carry now. I want to come up into a new atmosphere. I want to behold the Lord. I want to go deeper. I want to climb higher. I want us to respond this morning. And I can feel what the Lord is doing in this room right now. Is He's beautifying holiness. I can feel Him doing it. It's a correcting thing. He's cutting the line between what was religion and how that robbed you of just tender-hearted obedience. How could that ever be religion? Tender-hearted obedience. And the, the, the bare minimums of what He asks us to sacrifice is to get the ball rolling that we start thinking along the lines of how does it eventually become true of me that I'm a living sacrifice? My life is so laid down. His fire is just burning on me because I live on the altar. That's the prayer. That's the goal. I want you to stand this morning. I want to open this altar. I feel like there are people who need to just come. It's an act of obedience. It's better than sacrifice, but sacrifice comes with, but I want to step out, I want to tell myself, I want to tell my soul, I want to say to the atmosphere, I'm, I'm moving, I'm moving into something new, I'm setting aside the things that have distracted, the heavy things that I can't carry into the higher heights of the presence of the living God. I want us to find a place of prayer this morning. We're going to pray this song, Pastor Levi and the team are going to lead us in this song, Refiners Fire. Would you come? Let's pray. Let's seek the Lord this morning. Let's offer ourselves again. I'm coming, Lord. Your, your, My heart is saying, seek your face. I'm coming, Lord. I'm coming, Lord. I'm coming, Lord. Would you lift your hands? Would you pray that? I'm coming, Lord. Right where you are, some of you moving, just coming to say, I- I'm coming, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm not just saying it. I'm doing it. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming to the altar. I'm coming. Not with my need. Not with my want. Not with my burden not with my lord i'm coming for you i'm coming to be near you i'm coming i want what you have but more than anything i want you i want your face i'm coming lord thank you for listening to today's message if you would like more information on who we are visit our website at lakemount.ca or download our app for your mobile device